My name's Chris. We're so glad that you're here today. You are participating in a very first, in fact, you're making history uh, this morning as you are a part of the first ever 9 a.m. jar celebration. So, yeah, you could clap. That might be exciting. Maybe not. Maybe next week it'll be more exciting. Anyways, hey, we're uh, beginning a brand new series, too, that I'm really excited about called 40 Days uh, in the Bible. And for a way for us to be able to grow in the midst of that, we are going to have four components to kind of elevate your growth. Now, the first one is what you're experiencing right now, the teaching. And throughout uh, the next six, six weeks, I will be teaching on how we can grow in our knowledge of the Bible. And you will not want to miss any week, so make sure that you're here. The second thing that we're going to do to try to elevate our understanding of the Bible is we are going to um, have a video daily devotional. Um, Every single day, there'll be a video devotional that'll be sent to you. It'll take about uh, five minutes, but within those five minutes... Uh, you can hear from one of the top 40 pastors uh, and Bible teachers in all of the United States. We've been uh, working with Saddleback, where uh, Rick Warren uh, is the pastor at, and we have the technology to do that. Now, you might be asking, well, how do you do that? Well, the way that you do that is you go to our uh, church website, www.thejar.org, And you can sign up right there. There will be an icon that we'll actually be able to go to. And you'll click on it. And it will take you exactly uh, to this page here where you can go ahead and you can sign up. It gives directions on how to do all of that. Um, So just go to the JAR website and you can sign up for a video daily devotional. We're getting high tech around here, okay? So uh, nothing that is just written. It's all there. Again, it'll only take you about five minutes, um, and there'll be either an email or a text reminder uh, given to you so you would know, oh, I need to do my devotion this morning. The third element in our 40 days is probably the most important, and that is our small groups. We want to encourage people to be a part of our small groups. And so if you would, I'd like you to pull out this card. It looks like this, and it was in your program, so... We give you those programs for a reason. If you can open one of those up, pull out uh, this card. And uh, if you're not in a small group yet, I would strongly encourage you to sign up. Go ahead, put your name, number, uh, all the details there. And then on the back of that are different groups that you can choose to select uh, to be a part of. So if you would fill that out, that would be great. And then when you're done, there is a small groups table. Um, that is over here with our resource table as well. And you can simply uh, drop this off and give that to them, and we'll get you plugged into a small group because you really do understand the Bible uh, better um, when you do it as a group. Now, if uh, you've already signed up, you don't have to sign up again. But uh, if you haven't, these next two minutes, you can ignore me, okay? Some of you have been wanting to do that for a long time, I'm sure. But uh, you can do that just for two minutes, and then you've got to come back in. 
Okay, the last component of our time together is our Bible memory uh, verse. And uh, if you would, pull that out. Uh, I had one, and I don't know what I did with it. Everybody have it? Thank you, Mike Taylor. Okay, looks like this. And uh, one of the best ways to grow your faith is to actually kind of memorize Bible scriptures. And so when you walked in today, you got a keychain, and then there's a Bible verse on week one. And so we're going to be challenging you to memorize one Bible verse uh, each week. It won't be long, and we'll actually work at this one here in a little bit. But each week then, we'll give you a new tag, so you'll have week two of the Bible verse uh, to be able to connect with. It'll be very easy to remember. Okay, you guys ready to dive in? All right, let's do it. This morning, I want us to begin by looking at a story that is one of Jesus' most important stories. It's a story about two men who built a house, but they built their house on two different foundations. This is uh, one of the most unforgettable stories in all of the Bible because it's found, actually, in Jesus' greatest teaching, which is... uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And in that particular sermon, in that teaching, it goes like this. It'll come up on the side screens, and let's read it together. I'll read it. You follow along. Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, And the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these works of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell. And great was its fall. Now, this is a story, really, of two stories. It's a story of two men. One man built his house upon a rock. Another man built his house upon a sand. And one was wise, and one was foolish. And to understand it, you've got to kind of put both stories side by side with one another, and you've got to find out, Where are the similarities in that story, and where are the differences? And where you find the differences, folks, in that story is the key understanding. It is the meat of that story. That's where you find the turning point. And this is a very classic story. It's been shared many different times in many different forms. And I was thinking about it this week, that there's another story similar to this, that came to mind. So I just want to guess what your educational level is this morning to see how good you are at American literature. So we're going to find out. I'm thinking of one of the most famous stories that's ever been told in the history of the U.S. There have have been many different versions of it. There have been movies made of it. There have been songs, even, that have been told about it. In each of these stories, 
there is a character that is a builder. And each one con- constructs a different house. And there is a, a contrast between how they build their houses. One builds, or two build it foolishly, and one builds it wisely. Are you starting to get it? Some of you, some of you have no clue right now. You're like, oh, I don't know. And every house faces a test. And the house is built wisely. The house that is built wisely will stand. But if it's built foolishly, it will fall. And the name of this story is what? The Three Little Pigs. You're a very literate group here uh, this morning. Quite impressed. Yeah. Each of these pigs build a different type of house. And the story is that the same big bad wolf comes to every single house and creates a storm. He blows on the house. And the big bad wolf says, little pig, little pig, let me in. And all of them say, not by the hair of our... I just really wondered if you would do it, to be honest. But you did. That's good. All right. And this morning, I want to uh, just let you know that there were two of these pigs, folks, that their house was made out of junk. And they never stop to ask the question, will this stop the big bad wolf? Because this whole story is about house building. And so let me ask you this question this morning. What is your house built upon? What is your life built upon? Because the reality is, every single one of us in this place, we're going to experience a storm Sometime in months or years. Some of you will experience a storm this year in 2012. Some in 2013. Some in 14. Some in 15. But I can guarantee you this, folks. Every single person in this place will experience a storm maybe sooner than later. You'll have emotional storms and health storms and financial storms. And if you are not built on a solid rock, on a foundation that will keep it strong and firm, you're going to crumble. I mean, you can't build your life on the opinion of others. You can't build your life on popular opinion. You can't build your life on the culture that we have. You must build your life on an unchanging truth. And that truth is this book, God's Holy Word. It's the one thing that Thousands of years, folks, it doesn't change. It is still the same. And over the next six weeks, I'm going to help you to dive into this and to understand it more and more. Now, the best way to learn is to use your five senses. And so, just to see if you know what your five senses are, I'd like you to turn to the person beside you, and I want you to try to name what those five senses are on my call, okay? So I'm going to go on your mark, get set, go, and then you'll go, okay? So on my call, as fast as you can, name the five human senses. On your mark, get set, go. Did someone say snorting? 
like the pig story, you know, like somebody might have said snorting. Some of you snort, you know, when you laugh, but that's not a sense. That's not a human sense. It might be, you know, a pig sense, but it's not a human sense. But there are five human senses, hearing, seeing, touching, speaking, and smelling. And folks, everything that you experience in life, think about this, happens with one of those five. You experience life through your senses. That's how you encounter it. And God wants us to encounter life in the same way. And in James chapter 1, verses 19 to 25, he talks about these five senses. Now, what's interesting to know about James is that James was Jesus' brother. And he gets a chance to write a book. It's in the second half of the Bible in the New Testament, but James is Jesus' brother, and he writes, and he talks about these five senses. And in this section, he gives uh, responses to this answer, uh, or this question, how do I build my life on the Bible? How do I do that? How do I do that on God's Word? The Bible and God's Word, that means the same thing. So when we talk about the Word, or we talk about the Bible, it's the exact same thing. They're uh, synonyms. So the first way that you build your life on the Bible is this. I receive it with my ears. I actually receive it with my ears. You can pull out your teaching outline and uh, fill those in. I receive it with my ears. When we're talking about the Bible, when we're talking about hearing the Bible, we hear it with our ears. The Bible tells us this in Romans 10:17. Faith comes from what? What's it say? Hearing. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. Every time that you hear me, every time that you hear another pastor, every time you hear your small group leader read the Bible and give some uh, wisdom out of that, every time you listen to somebody on the radio, every time you listen to someone on television who is teaching the Bible, you are hearing God's Word. And your faith is being built. In fact, you are doing the first one right now. You're listening to this teaching, so you're hearing God's Word taught by me. And that builds our faith. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message comes from the Word of Christ. Now let's look at James uh, chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. So let's unpack this a little bit, and let's do so by looking at the last kind of uh, few uh, words in this uh, verse. It says, accept the word God planted in you. That whole kind of phrase has a Greek concept to it, and the Greek concept is that you welcome a stranger. It's like hospitality. In other words, we welcome God's word. We welcome the Bible. We say, God, come in. And we say, God, we're wide open. However you want to teach it to us, we're wide open to it. My question is, are you wide open to receiving God's Word? Do you have good reception of hearing? 
Because if you walked in here today and you were upset or you were arguing with another person and you're sitting down there, you're not going to have very good reception. And so the key to hearing God's Word is that you need good reception. When I was growing up as a kid, uh, we didn't have cable. We had a television. On the back of the television, there were uh, antennas that were attached to it. It looked something like this. Anybody else have a television like this growing up? You're old. You're like really, really old, okay? But uh, my dad had this television, and whenever he wanted to watch IU basketball games, he would always choose me to be the antenna holder. Now, we had Channel 4, which was not a very good station that came in because we lived out in the country. So I would hold the antenna like this, and I'd kind of move it backwards and upwards. I'd have like ballet moves. Whoa, that's, that's interesting. See, you won't get that at the 1045 because I'll be coordinated by then. But you know, that I had like ballet moves kind of trying to get this antenna all over the place. And, uh, you know, you had to get good reception. The only problem was the place where we got good IU game reception was I would have to hold it like this, and I never got to watch the game. I mean, what a great dad, right? You know, just hold it. Now, we don't do that anymore. We simply do something like this. Can you hear me now? Uh, Can you hear me now? But it's the same thing. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get better reception. And you know, in order for you to hear God, folks, you've got to have good reception. And this passage tells us that there are four things that you've got to do if you're going to have good reception. Four attitudes that you've got to accomplish. The first one is this. I must be quiet. I must be quiet. For good reception, to hear God speak to you, I've got to be quiet. In fact, what's it say? It says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. My wife, uh, Jennifer, has told me many times, Chris, when you're talking, you're not listening. At least I think that's what she said. I'm not sure. But you've got to be quiet. You've got to hear God, uh, and you've got to stop talking. The second attitude is this. I must be calm. I must be calm. The Scripture says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And what does it say? What's the next phrase? And slow to become angry. i got a good friend of mine, and he and I talk about a dance. Um, you know, quick, slow, slow. Like if you want to do things really well in life, you do it quick, slow, slow. You are quick to listen, you are slow to speak, and you're slow to get angry. Now, why in the world is anger in the midst of this text when it's talking about the Bible? Well, the reason is, is because you don't hear much, folks, when you're angry. You don't hear very well at all if you're angry. We don't hear when we get upset. We don't hear when we get ticked off. We don't hear when we get mad. When you are emotionally upset about something, you get defensive and you get short. On the other hand, folks, when we are emotionally 
relaxed, you're quiet. You're calm. You can really hear what the other person is saying. And the same is true about the Bible. You've got to be quiet. You've got to be calm if you're going to be able to allow it to speak to you. You can't be like this. God, i got two minutes. Let's hurry it up. Let's get this thing going. Okay, anything you want to say to me, I'm right here. Bring it. Okay, we're on one minute, 47 seconds. you got 13 seconds left. Okay, that's it. See you later. I mean, that's frantic. You're not going to hear God speak to you. The Bible says this. Let's uh, read this scripture together. Be still, and I guess I'm the only one doing it this morning. All right, let's all do it together. Okay, one, two, three. Be still and know that I am God. Now, this is the bunch translation. Sit down and shut up. You've got to quiet yourself down. You've got to be quiet. You've got to be calm. The third thing is I need to be clean. I need to be clean. In other words, I've got to get some of the junk out of my life. It gets piled up. And uh, I expect God to hear, to me, hear uh, me, but the problem is there's all this junk that's piled up between Him and I. I've got this sin that's piled up and it's creating this wall between God and myself. In other words, I just can't do that. And He says this. He says, get rid of all the moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. So two things that you've got to get rid of. What do you got to get rid of? You've got to get rid of filth, and you've got to get rid of evil. You know, it's interesting that the word for filth is, uh, the Greek word is riparian. Riparian. So you're at lunch today, and somebody goes, you know any language? Yeah, riparian. You know what that means? Let me tell you what it means. Earwax. That's what it means. It means earwax. It's the stuff that's at the end of your Q-tip. That's what it means. You've got to get rid of all of the earwax. Now, this is the point. I can't hear God if I have earwax in my ear, if I've got junk in my ear. You might say, uh, you know, God never speaks to me. Well, probably because you have some kind of emotional or spiritual or mental or ethical earwax that's keeping you from hearing God. Folks, you can't hear God if you have a whole bunch of junk in your life. You can't hear God. You can't be filled with the Spirit if you're filled with pornography or resentment or jealousy or some kind of addiction. You can't hear. So God says, get rid of the filth, get rid of the evil before you come to me so that you can actually hear from me. And do you know how you do that? The way that you do that is you confess sins. That's how you do it. You confess some sin. And every time that we talk about confession, people get confused. They think that it has to be this either on-the-stake kind of thing where you're like, oh, God, I'm such a horrible person. Just kill me. Or the second thing is they're just like, oh, God, I'm sorry. And they don't take any ownership for it whatsoever. Confession is simply saying, God, I messed up. You were right. I was wrong. Forgive me. Make me new. And God says, I'll do that. 
So you get calm, you get quiet, and finally, you get clean. You get clean. And the fourth attitude, the final one, is this. I need to be humble. I need to be calm, I need to be quiet, I need to be clean, and I need to be humble. He says this. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now the question is, what does it mean to be humble? What does it mean to be humble? It means that you're ready to do whatever God wants you to do in his word. That's really what humility means, is that you open up God's word and you say, God, whatever it is that you say, I'm going to follow that. I will humble myself because you're smarter than I am. If I come with this prideful attitude that says, God, whatever you say to me, um, I'll listen to it, but if I read it in your word, I, I might do it, I might not. I'll think about it. God, I'll get back with you on that. That is not humility. So hearing God is saying, God, I want to come humbly. Now, this is an interesting fact. Do you realize that 95% of what you've heard so far, you will forget in 72 hours? That really makes me excited to be a teacher here of God's Word. You know? 95% of what you've heard in 72 hours, you will have forgotten. Real encouraging. So you can't just hear it on Sunday. You've got to go deeper ways. And the second way to build your life on the Bible is this. I read it with my eyes. I actually read it with my eyes. Folks, you cannot grow spiritually if you don't read the Bible. Without reading the Bible, you will never grow any more than what you are right now. James 1, 22 to 25 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This happens on Sunday all the time. You come here... You listen to God's Word, and sometimes by the time you get to the parking lot, you've already forgotten everything that was said, and you're just wanting to be right about everything. And wah! Breaks out in your car, if you have kids. And he says this, he goes, no, no, no. He says, look in the mirror. Look at himself. But then he goes away, and he immediately forgets what he looks like. Then he goes on, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. That's what the Bible does. Every time you read it, folks, it frees you up. And continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Folks, the whole reason why we're doing 40 days in the Word, 40 days in the Bible, is because we want your life to be blessed. We don't want you to just kind of go through life. We want you to live an abundant life. We want it to be a blessed life. We want your life to be blessed. We want your family to be blessed. We want our church to be blessed. We want the people in your circles of influence to be blessed. And we want God's blessing on your work and on your finances and on everything that you do. But for that to happen, the Scripture says, you must look intently into the perfect law. In other words, he says, you've got to read your Bible. You've got to read it. 
If you don't read it, folks, it'll never get read. I can't read it for you. Now, when you read it, you don't speed read it. You don't go like this, holy look. You ever do this before? It's not very effective. Okay. The Lord brought a goat and he killed them. That's not going to help you very much, okay? And so you can't do it like that. You can't speed read and go, oh, the Lord brought a goat. I'm done. No, 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 no. Reading the Bible is more like a marathon than a sprint. It is going deep, not trying to go for some huge distance. You just kind of take your time. This morning, I read ten verses, and I just allowed those ten verses to kind of get into my head, to get me connected to him. So you read it, you reflect upon it, I think about it, I ponder it, I look at it intently, and it says that the person who does this is like looking into the mirror. You see, many times in the Bible, um, it refers itself to a mirror, that the Bible is a mirror. Now, what is the purpose of a mirror? What is it? To evaluate yourself, right? You look at the mirror and you evaluate yourself. And the Bible is like that. Every time that you open it up, it's like a mirror. And as you read it, all of a sudden you can start evaluating. Am I living like this or am I not? Now, every single one of you, I guarantee, evaluated yourselves this morning. When you got up this morning, you probably paused and you looked intently into the mirror and you thought, there was a lot of damage done last night. You know? Like, there was a lot of damage that happened. And so you evaluated and you said, well, I'm going to change some things before you walked out the door. And so some of you combed your hair. Some of you didn't. But some of you did. You brushed your teeth. You washed your face. You shaved. Uh, no one, you know, did this, but, well, I won't go there. I'm just going to let that one go. Okay. Um, that was a wise thing, Chris. Uh, and you, you did something to make yourself look better. Some of you, uh, you know, put on makeup this morning. And uh, I had a person one time, they came up to me and they go, uh, Pastor Chris, is uh, makeup a sin? And I go, no, it's God's gift. You know, I mean, how many of you think that God made makeup, right? And for some people, if they didn't wear makeup, that would be a sin. You know what I mean? But it's a good thing that they wake that, that they wear. Don't send me any letters, okay? Now, there are two different ways, folks, that you look into a mirror. Two different ways you look into the mirror. The first one is you glance into the mirror, and the second one is you gaze into a mirror. Now, first of all, let's look at glance into the mirror. How many of you remember the old sitcom, Happy Days? Just by a show of hands, Happy Days. I don't remember that show. It was before my time, but uh, I'm glad that you guys do. Now, how many of you remember this guy? Who is that? The Fonz, right? And every single time Fonzie went by a mirror, he would go like this. Hey! Right? And when he did that, what was he saying? He's like, this is pure perfection. My hair's perfect. My jacket's fine. My t-shirt's good. My smile's good. I am good. It is pure perfection when I look into this. But he would just glance at it. 
Now let me say something that's really serious right now. Folks, you don't want to glance at this. You don't. The problem is, many of us just glance at it. And we just glance at it when it meets our greatest need. There's nothing wrong with that, but you just don't grow that much when you're just glancing at God's Word. You can't just say, Lord, i got two minutes. Here it is. Let me do it real quick. No, glancing at the mirror of God's Word is not going to help you change, it's not going to help your family change, and it's not going to help you to grow. Rather, you've got to gaze at it. You've got to gaze at it intently. You have to look at the details. You have to focus in. Because God wants you to not just glance at his word. He wants you to gaze. He wants you to look at it intently. And so during the next 40 days, we're going to share with you, especially in our small groups, some different Bible reading plans that you can be a part of. Don't be intimidated by it, but it just helps you to understand and read the Bible a little bit better. There's one that's right at our resource table over here called Five Minutes in the Bible Each Day. That's what it takes. It helps you to read, reflect, respond to it in five minutes, and you really take some time to get in there and to understand the Bible a little bit more. And so you can pick this up. Maybe some of you have never done a Bible reading plan, and here's one that you could do. So I received God's Word. I read God's Word with my eyes. And thirdly, I build my life on the Bible by researching it with my hands and my mouth. I research it with my hands and my mouth. Now, is this true or, or tell me yes or no. Is there a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible? Is there a difference? You're 9 o'clock. That means you're morning people. In other words, that means you should really be engaged. This is the best part of your morning. It gets worse after this, okay? So, is there a difference? Yeah, there's a difference, right? There is a difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible. Reading the Bible, you read the Bible. When you study the Bible, you study the Bible. Now, if you study the Bible, there are a couple things that you need to have. You need to have a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper. Because you're going to write some things down. In fact, there are two components to Bible study. And they're in your program. But you write them down, writing down what I learned, and then talking about it with somebody else. That's why when I write something down, and then I talk to somebody else about it, now I'm actually studying Scripture. I'm not just reading it. I'm actually studying what it means. That's why we believe so strongly here about small groups. Because it's in small groups, folks, where you grow. You don't just grow if you're out on an island by yourself, but you grow when you're connected with a group of people. Because the way you study the Bible is as a group. You listen to each other. You write something down. You read it. You talk about it. Have you ever noticed that before? When you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden you're talking with somebody else and they say something and they're like, ah, I never thought about it that way before. And all of a sudden it changes your whole thought. You see, your hands and your mouth are needed to study the Bible. You write it down and then you talk about it. I write it down, I talk about it. Jesus said this one day. He said, you search the Scriptures. And uh, if you are writing it, if you're studying it right now, you can circle that word search. I search the Scriptures. In other words, he's talking about researching it. I research these. 
Because you believe that they will give you eternal life. And the scriptures point to me. Over the next six weeks, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show to you that in the Old Testament, there are tons of stories and connections that point people directly to who Jesus is. It's not just a New Testament thing, but actually in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before, was pointing towards Jesus. You search the Scriptures. You research with your hands and your mouth. The fourth way to build my life on the Bible is this. I review and remember it with my mind. I review it, and then I remember it with my mind. Review and remember. James 1.25 says this, The man who looks intently, that is reading it, into the perfect law and continues to do that, if he's continuing it, that means he's reviewing it, and not forgetting what he has heard, that means he's remembering it, he will be blessed in what he does. If you're going to be blessed, if you want God's blessing on your life, folks, you've got to learn how to review and remember his words. Now look up here just for a second. That's a serious point. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to grow in knowing what God wants for your life. You can't continue to be bottle-fed. You can't be a spiritual infant. You can't just kind of, you know, be a spiritual wimp. Ten years from now, if you're not careful, we'll still have to be using a bottle for you. But if you want to be a godly man, if you want to be a godly woman... You want to be spiritually strong in your spirit of what God wants you to do, then the key really is, folks, memorizing some scriptures. It really is. You hide the words in your heart. Now, some of you I know are right now, oh man, I had that in Sunday school one time. I was the little kid that couldn't memorize anything. Everybody got a star. I didn't get a star. I didn't get a star, okay? Get over it. That was in Sunday school. Now you're an adult, folks. And do you know why you need to memorize some Scripture? Because when you need the Bible the most, guess what? It's not there. When you're being tempted by something, you don't have the Bible with you. When you're going through a crisis, a lot of times there isn't a Bible right there. When you're worried about something or you're stressed out, there isn't something there. So you need to have it in your mind so that you can review it and you can remember it. Now you might say, well, Chris, you don't understand. I got a horrible memory. I can't even remember, you know, where I put my keys most of the time. I can't even figure that out. No, you can remember. You remember what's important to you, don't you? Just think about it. You remember phone numbers, don't you? Ooh, I know this phone number. Or you remember dates. Oh, I remember these dates. Some of you constantly remember websites, especially one that's uh, uh, actually spelled F-A-C-E-B-O-O-K. Oh, Facebook. Yeah, you remember everything that's on there. Some of you can quote songs from the 1970s. 
Some of you know exactly where the shopping deals are. Some of you know every fantasy football statistic that there is. You remember what's important to you. Now, during these 40 days of our kind of getting into God's Word, I'm going to challenge you to memorize a scripture or so. And so if you pull out your keychain right now, we're going to learn our first one, and we can read it together. It will come up on the screen. It says, let the Word of Christ... I don't know why it says of Christ twice. It's probably my fault, but just ignore that second part. So I'm already giving you two less words, okay? We'll get better by 1045, I guarantee it. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, Colossians 3.16. Okay, let's all read this together. Not of Christ twice, because you will mess it all up. So just imagine that's not there, okay? So let's read this again on three. One, two, three. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. So this week, that's the one that we want you to try to memorize. You guys did a great job. I know you're going to get this one. Next week, you're going to be like, I got a verse. I got a verse. Of Christ, of Christ. No, no. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know why remembering and reviewing the Bible is so important? Joshua tells us. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, Do not let this book of the law, that is the Bible, depart from your mouth. That means you talk about it all the time. Meditate on it. How often? How often should you meditate on it? Day and night. So that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be, underline these next two words, what are they? Prosperous and successful. Friends, this is the only scripture verse in the entire Bible in which it talks about prosperity and success in the same verse. It's the only one. And God says, if you want to have prosperity, if you want to be successful, you do it. Now, I didn't say this. You know, sometimes there are those prosperity gospel people, name it and claim it, get the blessing. I didn't say this. This is the one place where God really says, if you do it, you will be prosperous and you will be successful. He says, meditate on it. Now, what's meditate mean? Meditate does not mean this. Get your, I'm not going to do this because I might not get back up. I played basketball yesterday. Um, but it doesn't mean crossing your legs, putting your hands in circles and going, oh, God, come to me, God. Oh, now I'm going to meditate. No. You know what that is? That is nonsense. That's like looking at your navel and going, ooh, there's some lint down there. I see it. Huh, I'm going to focus. No, it's not that. It's remembering and reviewing what God has given to you in His Word. And He says, if you remember it, if you review it, what's He saying? You'll be successful in all that you do. Okay, there's one more way to build my life on the Bible, and it's this. I respond to it with actions. I respond to it with my actions. I respond to it with my actions. James 1.22 says this. Do not merely listen to the Word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, he says, turn it into actions. It says, don't deceive yourselves. How do we deceive ourselves? 
Well, we think that once we've heard it once, we've got it. Once I've heard it one time, I've got it. How many of you wives have ever sent your husband to the grocery store with a list? And they're like, oh, I don't need the list. I got it. And then you get there and they're like, you didn't get anything on this list. What are you talking about? Some of you are like, I don't even go to the grocery store. Thanks a lot, bunch. You know, really helped my marriage today. Yeah. I mean, I could stand up here, folks, and I could tell all the men how to be good fathers. But if you don't do it, you're deceiving yourself. I could stand up here and talk to you about financial maturity and having your finances in order. But if you don't do it, you're just deceiving yourself. You see, you only believe the parts of the Bible that you actually do. If you don't do the things that say in the Bible, you, you don't believe it. And so we've got to put the Bible into action. Folks, I began this by talking about two guys who built two different houses. One on a rock, one on sand. And, I, and both of them. The similarities is the storm hit both of their houses. And I can guarantee you this that you're going to have a storm in 2012 or 13 or 14 or 15. You can just take that to the bank. I don't know what that storm's going to look like. I have no idea. But I do know this. You will crumble, folks, if you don't have a solid foundation, if you don't have a bedrock stone, if you don't start engaging and saying, God, even when the storm comes, I want to build my life. I want to build my house on something that's solid and it's God's Word. So as a way to just kind of help you with this this week, in your program, I gave you a picture of a hand. And on that hand, there are five kind of things there that uh, we talked about, that I receive it with my ears. That's your pinky. And I read the Bible. And I research it. And I remember it. I try to memorize a verse or two. And then finally, I respond to it. I actually do something with it. Now, the problem is this, folks. If I just hold this thing with my pinky, it's not a good enough grip. So i got to do more than just receive it. If I try to do with two fingers, I can't hold on to it. If I try to do it with three, I can do it pretty good, but it's going to be a little bit harder. But if I take all five... If I do these things, if I receive it, read it, if I research it, remember it, if I respond to it, then I get a grip on this thing. And when the storms come, I'm on a solid foundation. Now let me say one last thing before we close. Some of you for far too long have seen this thing as an intimidating book that people beat you down with, put you down let you down. But that's not what kind of book it is. It's really God's love letter to you. And I don't know about your love letters. I can just talk about mine, but I, I keep those in a special place. And I'm, I'm kind of by myself when I read those from my wife. And it encourages me and lets me know that, wow, I'm not alone. There's someone who really, really loves me. And there is somebody who really really loves you. And he shares about it and he talks about it in his
Let's stand for closing prayer. And we'll have uh, some people up here to, if the prayer team wants to come up on each side. And if you'd like prayer for anything after uh, our closing song, you can. Let's pray. And if you would, I'd like you to just kind of pray this simple prayer, just silently to yourself, but that uh, you can pray. Dear God, I want to build my life on the rock, not on sand. I want a solid foundation of truth. I want to build my life on the Bible. So I commit these next 40 days, God, to really trying to engage in your word. I want to receive it with my ears. I want to hear you speak to me, God. I want to read it with my eyes. I want to research it with a small group. I want to meditate and remember key verses. And finally, God, I want to respond to your word. And for those of you who have seen the Bible as an intimidating book or a book that beats you down, I pray right now that this week as you open God's word, that you would experience the love that he has for you in it. pray this in Jesus' name.
just thank you for that love. Just how much you love us, how powerful that love is. And uh, God, just uh, we pray that as we leave here today, uh, that our hearts are changed. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Just know Friday, 8 o'clock at the living room, we're going to have worship night. I challenge you all to be there. You should all come. Know that you're loved in this place. Have a great week, and we will see you back here again next week.